This is a show that brings to the forefront newsmakers, entertainers, and those making a difference in our lives and in our world. Each week is a new adventure with topics ranging from the most serious and cutting edge to the most lighthearted and entertaining. This is Taking Care of Business with Richard Solomon. Hey everybody, Richard Solomon, how are you? This week, we'll be traveling to the Javits Center for the largest food and beverage experience in the Northeast. I have the greatest job. For the International Restaurant and Food Service Show, we're going to travel to Canada. We're going to meet the smoked meat guys from Quebec. We're going to taste some coffee from Kenya. We're going to have some uh, gyros from Turkey. And the food's going to just be out of this world. So keep it locked here. All right, we're at the International Restaurant Show for the first interview. And I know that this is one of those slices and dices and there's all these great things. So, first of all, your name is Leshem? Yes, my name is Leshem. Hello, everybody in New York. Uh, you're from Denver? I'm from Denver, Colorado, but originally I'm from Israel. I, I figured that wasn't a Denver accent. Yeah, Denver accent. So how did you end up in Denver? Again, what? How did you end up in Denver, of all places? I, you like to ski? I like the Rockies. The Rockies Mountain, my love. All right. So, first of all, what is the product that you're demonstrating today at the show? The product is something I made. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, yes, I created it before three years in the military in Israel. Okay. And this is very special pillar because this pillar have double blade, not only one like all the pillars. So you don't peel only one way. You peel up and down both ways. Oh, is this like sort of like the double track razor for shaving? Exactly. But you have no experience with shaving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's got a beard for those on the radio. Okay. So you can go up and down. All right. Yes, we go up and down. We can peel tomato, butternut squash, coleslaw, salad. Very easy, very fast. We can make coleslaw salad, potato. For Thanksgiving, 110 potato, 11 minutes, Richard. Wow. Very, very easy, very, very fast. Okay. Now, another pillar we have, it's pillar to make julienne. You can make with this ash browns, zucchini noodles, whatever you want, easy and fast. That's very interesting. All right. So, this has an interesting name. It's not a Hebrew name, is it? No, it's Getze. It's Getze. It's Swiss name. My friend in the military, he's from Switzerland, yeah. he come to Israel to do a military, and he gave me this nickname. And what does it, it translate into? It's uh, like fast. Okay. Somebody fast, because I'm I running very fast in the military. Okay. All right. So what, do you, what is it that you're selling? It's a package? Yes, it's a package. You get in the kit two different pillars, the big one. Right, the Julienne. The Julienne. Yeah. The pillar right. and the mandolin. Now the red part, the mandolin, you can connect to the small pillar. And now it's mini mandolin. What's a mandolin? Mandolin, it's uh, something to make like a circle of carrot. Oh, okay, like uh, slices, uh, like uh, like chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We sell all the kit here in the show for one forty nine. Okay. Uh, but we have to, in this show special price because if somebody buy the kit, he get the scissor free. The scissor is new item we have. It's cutting board and knife together, and you can make all the type of salad. Oh, that's very interesting. Easy and fast. So we give this for free today for our customers. Okay. Now, if people want to get information, is there a website? Yes. The website is getsepillar.com. At G-O-T-Z-E-P-E-E-L-E-R.com. Exactly. Dot com. You can see the demonstration. You can buy the item. All right. It's going to change uh, the life for everybody. All right. Now, who's this targeted for? Is it home chefs? Is it professional chefs? Everybody? Everybody. everybody. What, what is your favorite use for it? Like, what do you like to... What, I, I what, love, what is it most versatile for? For me, I very like zucchini noodles. i vegetarian. Okay. So, zucchini noodles I very like. Uh, ash browns. Um, coleslaw salad I can do with this. Okay. All right, cool. All right, good luck at the show. I'm going to take a picture with you. Thank you All right. very much. All right, Richard. good luck. Thank you. All right, continuing at the Javits Center for the International Restaurant uh, Expo, we have something appropriate for Rocket Green Radio. We have Terry Lehman here. She's from Boca Raton, Florida. She's at booth 1507, and she has solved the problem that we've actually highlighted in the shows that I do with Antonio Sion called Rocket Green Radio. So let's, without further ado, tell us what you do. Hi, I'm Terry Lehman, and I manufacture bamboo paper straws. They last three to four times longer than any other paper straws, and they don't have a paper taste. Okay. Now, 
Obviously, you did this for environmental reasons. Talk, talk about that. Yeah, I started the company 11 years ago, and we do a whole line of napkins, bath tissue, facial tissue, all made from sugarcane and bamboo. Okay. What's the difference between sugarcane and bamboo as far as you're concerned? I know the difference, but as a raw material, what... what what is the versatility of each and how do they differ? So it's the most rapidly renewable resources on earth, basically. Sugarcane is the number one crop in the world, and after they extract the sugar, they used to burn it. Now we take it and we pulp it. And bamboo grows three to five inches a day. Three to five inches a day. Uh, do you need a rainforest-type environment to sustain that or can go anywhere? It, it basically, it grows like crazy. So we actually take in the outer parts of the bamboo in order to let the inner growth grow. So you're sustainable even on that level? Yes. Where do you get your bamboo and your sugar cane from? Currently we get it in China. 95% of uh, both resources are in China. Right, but it's renewable for them. So, yeah. It's very renewable for them. Right. So as far as the, the, the straw, it, can I just can I touch this? Is that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They feel very sturdy. Here we go. I mean, they feel very, very sturdy. And how do they break down? So they definitely degrade, and they're, uh, we also have the marine tested, so if they end up in the oceans or in the lake, they'll degrade. All right, this is awesome. Now, uh, for people who want to get in touch with you and buy your stuff, how do we do that? So you can either go to our website at truegreenpaper.com, that's T-R-U-E greenpaper.com, or you can call us at 844-SAVE-TREES. Oh, that's a great one, 844-SAVE-TREES. All right, have a great show, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you, too. I'm with David Needleman from Rose Gourmet of good old Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn. Right, so tell me, tell me, um, what are we what are we showing today at the show? So we're looking at kibes, which is now, for people who don't know what that is. What's the kibes? It's a torpedo. That's like another name for it. It's uh, like ground beef and onion. Then we got some cigars. We got potatoes. Are those Moroccan cigars? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, well, no, okay. It's all Middle Eastern. Okay. So um, this is the radio. People aren't looking. Uh, okay, okay. So um, we got potatoes, and then we got a second version with, uh, it's a little bit spicy with garlic and ground beef. Yeah. And then we got those mini pizzas. It's uh, very sweet also. You should probably try one, actually. I should, oh, let's try one. Go ahead. We'll try one now on the radio. Go ahead. Let's, uh, all right, hold on. Hold on. All right. Now, you make all this in Brooklyn? Yes, we do. Which is your, I know you're not supposed to have a favorite, but what's your favorite yeah. for like a good old snack? Right the pizza. Now. All right, hold on. All right, so for all those who are wondering why my job is so great, hold on. Mm. Oh, it's quite good. All right, so what's in it? Um, it's uh, ground beef mm -hmm. and a little bit of onions. It tastes, so, it tastes like it has so much more than that. Uh, I mean, I can't give you all the Well, yeah, but it's like, all right, but it's a secret recipe. All right. If people want to find out how to get in touch with Rose Gourmet, how do they do it? Well, on, the, on the radio, on the radio. So, what's your what's your website? Um, so that's also on here. Go seven one eight three eight two twelve twenty six. All right. So we're with Hakan Yanan, right? Yes. You're from New Jersey. Sorry. All right, so do they make a lot of gyros in New Jersey? <laughs> they do, yeah. All right. York, so that came to the right place. <laughs> so you're, what's the name of your company? Inoxan. All right. And so you're the guys that actually make the machines that make the gyros that millions of people on the East Coast eat. That's right. All, right. all over the U.S. All, right, all, over the all over the U.S. All right. So tell me, I assume there's different kinds of machines? Yes. Smaller, bigger? So based on capacity okay. and also based on the fuel source, natural gas, propane, or electric. We have also size differences, small, medium, large machines. So we have about 15 different models. Right. Is that your, you know, the, the Goliath, is that the big one, this one right here? Yes, this okay. one is the biggest model, and this is medium, and we have a smaller model too. Right. In terms of preference, your preference, just a, do you, what, what source of energy do you like? Do you like gas? Do you like propane? What do you like? Or it doesn't really matter? Well, for me it doesn't matter, but customers want natural gas because long run, it's uh, cheaper to run. Cheaper to run. But, uh, the energy cost will be less okay. on the natural gas. But uh, yeah, for us, it's, it's the same thing. So they cook similar. You know, the performance is similar. How, how much gyro meat can you put on this big one here? 
The big ones are 200 pounds. 200 pounds? Up to 200 pounds. Wow. Yes. <laughs> All, right. All right. Now, how, how, like, if it's 200 pounds, how, how many rotations does it do? I assume you do it nice and slow. Three rotations. You'll get, a minute? You can, you can, no, after two rotations, yeah. um, you'll get another, you will know, be nice and be ready to yeah. slice again. Uh, it's, they're pretty powerful. The right. machines are pretty powerful. All right, so if I put 200 pounds of meat on that yeah. thing, after two times, it's ready to go. It's ready to go. All yes. right. Now, now, the first time it'll take like probably 30, 40 minutes yeah. to cook. And then after you slice the first one, in every two, three minutes, you'll get another. Right. Now, I actually went to a restaurant and I was sitting at the counter and I was looking at one of these types of machines and I said to the guy, how much is that? How much is that? He goes, it was like 100 pounds. And, and I said, how many of those do you go through a week? And he, I think he said like four, you know? you know. So he goes to like you know, 400 pounds in like five well, days. He's supposed to finish one corn a day. Right. He's not supposed to carry right. it over. Right, I don't know that they, yeah. Yeah, so normally people make smaller cones, like yeah. 50 pounders, and then you know, they finish it up, and if it's a busy day, they put the second one in. So, yeah, yeah, we have customers that does four of those a day. Four of those a day, Four wow. of those a day. Right. Visa locations. Now, when the people do that, do they, I, I assume that they make it themselves and they put it on? I assume that they all have their own recipes? Both, both. Some people make their own, some people purchase it from um, companies that, you know, manufacture gyros right. or donor. Um, so we have both customers. Hi. So what is your love of the gyro? Where did where did that come from? Well, I'm from Turkey originally. Okay. So it's a very popular food over there, okay. Turkish doner. Um, and we do this for 40 years, the machines. So we love the meat. It's healthy. It's fresh meat, no ingredients, just uh, marinate with spices, and that's it. What do, you, what do you put on yours? What do you like? Do you like it on a falafel? Do you like it? No, I don't. I don't make my own. No, but so when, we, when you like order it, eat. when you order it. So you're in the uh, restaurant. What do, they, what do you put on it? Do you put well, the, the tahina? Do you put all the whole thing on, or not so much? Yeah, well, yeah. When it's cooked, um, yeah, veggies, yeah. a lot of veggies, hummus, yeah, goes well with it. And you, and you eat with rice. And do you finish it off with a nice little Turkish coffee? Baklava and coffee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all righty. Thank you so much. All so right. people want to go to your website. How do they go? Where do they go? You can go inoksanusa.com. And how do you spell that? I-N-O-K-S-A-N-U-S-A.com. Perfect. Good luck. Thank, Thank you. All right. You're never going to believe who you can meet when you go to the International Restaurant Show at the Javits Center. So here I am walking through the coffee aisle, and get, guess who I see? I get to see Chef Tomo from the <laughs> Rosin Hotel. He's looking at me, I'm looking at him, I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, hey, it's my day off, I'm like, yeah, plugging the, you know, doing the, doing the radio. So tell me, what do you think of the show? Oh, beautiful international show. Every year I came and uh, getting an idea, new ingredients and uh, technologies and everything, equipment, Unbelievable. You know what I've noticed? A lot of things have changed. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. like the, the interesting thing I've noticed, let's talk about trends. Right. I noticed that, for example, now they're moving away from plastic straws to straws right. made out of paper and right. bamboo or yeah. you know, sugar cane, you know. Yeah, yeah, husk. eco stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's materials different. Like, like you said, the straw, like a titanium going yeah. on right now. I, I, I just can't believe every year. Coming well, like that. A long time ago, coffee was coffee. Coffee is right? coffee, right? Now, <laughs> now there's like a science to coffee. It's like there's like machines and vacuums and right. and temperatures and steaming and grinding the beans five seconds before you flash cook it and you know this and that and it's beautiful uh, stuff. I just had this thing. I'm holding in my hand coconut cream. Wow. You know whatever. What 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 have you seen that sort of was like a good idea that you were well uh, not only food over here you know. It's a lot of, you know, liquors going on, and it's, you know, new uh, ciders and champagne kind of stuff. Um, it's everything new, every year. Yeah. It, All the ingredients. You know, it's funny. Like, like, they have everything. Like, the food truck. Yes. So, if you want to buy a food yes. truck. So, in case, you know, on Mondays on your day off, 
You know, you could do the Tomo food truck, just like... <laughs> At the hotel, maybe. <laughs> right, right, just, just drive, drive through Roslyn. You know? <laughs> Unbelievable, son. You know? So, so I know we're going to be doing a radio show soon. Yes, yes. 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 And we're going to have to cook up some... So are you going to get some ingredients and ideas here? Sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe today we're going to have a new idea. You know? All right, that's cool. Yeah, very exciting. All right. So, so you, you love to cook. Where'd that come from? Come from? I don't know. My mother, my grandma, you know? Yeah, big chef what I saw, uh, you know, uh, in the TV. Right. I was in uh, childhood. Yeah, that's, right. that's come from. Now, you know that when we do our interview, I'm going to wear a chef's hat, I'm going to have the yellow pepper, <laughs> and I'm going to go, a la cuisine! <laughs> a la cuisine. That's right. That's right. You know, when I was, when I was a little, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember watching the Iron Chef from Fuji uh-huh. Television. Okay. And I love that. Oh, oh yeah. with Chairman Kaga. Oh, yeah. I lo- did, they, did you ever watch that in the original Japanese? No, no, in original Japanese. Actually, I had it nominated. You know, uh, Asia, I forgot, 1994? No, no, 90, whatever this, you know, later 1990. Right. Yeah, it was Kobe, you know. And I have nominated, you know, it was an earthquake, an earthquake chef or something like that. Oh, wow. I forgot that about it. Yeah, it was a great show. Love this stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So, in terms of uh, the different shows that you go to, mm-hmm. is this the only show you go to or do you do others around the New York area? Do you do others internationally? Oh, oh, this is a big one. I always come in. I don't know other show, you know. I also go to the Summer Fancy Food Show. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like this one, too. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But this is the only main thing, so I always come in. Right, New right, York City. Right. Yeah, it's All right. fun. Yeah. All right. So, so where, where have you gone today that you were excited by that you saw as yeah. far as... No, what did you see as far as either products oh, or only, that, you uh, liked, that were, you were excited by? Well, I, we just, I just got here, so yeah, okay. I just a little bit, of, you know. Because I opened the show with this guy that invented this like mm-hmm. shaver or thing. Right. It shaves upside down. It does this. It cuts. I see they got the radio, the, the oh, two-way yeah. radios. They got the machines right, right, right. for uh, the the computers. Yeah. It's very cool. Everything here. It's very very cool. All righty. Yeah. So, all right, it's Chef Tomo. Now, it's Chef Tomo Kubiashi, but I call him Chef Tomo because we're personal friends. I, he's the only chef will hug me in Roslyn. <laughs> in fact, he's the only chef I know in Roslyn. <laughs> but you cannot get a fight. By the way, I'm a big fan of your lamb burger, but that's just between you and me and everybody on the radio. All right. So, we'll see you soon. I'll see, see you on you Wednesday yes, for the Wednesday. filming. All right. Great. Arigato. Thank you. All right, cool. Hey, this is Scott Schenlinger, and you're listening to Richard Solomon, WCWP 88.1 FM. All right, we're at the International Restaurant Show. So every once in a while, you just walk around, and you see something that just hits you like a stack of coffee beans. And I'm with Chris, Chris Buck from Member Services of... The Specialty Coffee Association. All right, so there you go. And I see this thing called the Coffee Tasters Flavor Wheel. Now, how much coffee is consumed out there? It's, it's like an, it's like trillions of gallons. It's trillions of gallons? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess like that's that. a safe estimate. Right? Yeah. But, I, I, but, you know, I've seen all these commercials and all these technologies, but no one has ever explained this chart mm-hmm. as far as what, what you taste. It's either... The most you hear is a good cup of coffee. Right. You don't hear why it's good. Yeah. You know, and everybody's got you know different philosophies. Uh, mm. Green beans, uh, roasted beans, fire roasted beans, steam. You know, steam. You know, all this stuff. Things with temperatures. Uh, uh, grinding them a minute before you drink it. Mm. You know, uh, you know, heating the cup up, steaming the milk. Everybody's got something different. But this really kind of explains coffee in a way I've never seen before. Yeah, the Specialty Coffee Association represents a community of coffee professionals that have recognized that there are excellent and exceptional aspects to coffee. Um, And this flavor wheel is a product of some of the research that we've done around that. So what we did was we had coffee roasters send coffee to us, and um, we sent that to UC Davis, and they tasted it over and over and over again, and they were able to determine... That's a good job. Right, exactly, yeah. It's good for the most part until you get to some of the rubbery and skunky stuff. But, um, yeah, it's... uh, So they determined that these are all the flavors that you could find in coffee. Um, So 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 this isn't something that we would add. This is something that exists within the coffee itself. Right, but since we're on the radio, and I'll take a picture of this later, Mm -hmm. could you explain sort of this whole fruit 
sour green roasted. Explain what this is. Yeah, so um, this is actually just a tool that you can use to identify the flavors that you're tasting in the coffee. Uh, so cuppers and roasting professionals might use this as kind of a way to create a unified language around what they're tasting. So you'd start in the center, and as you see, there's more general terms here. And then you'd work your way out to more specific until you'd land on a flavor that you're tasting in the coffee. So really, it's just a way to kind of direct you to something that you can use to describe it in more detail. All right, so let's start with the inner wheel. Yeah. So you're, it's roasted. So is that like, it's like, um, I see like, I, I definitely notice like when I drink coffee, there's definitely burnt. Yeah. I mean, like, some definitely do. Some yeah. definitely like, it's like, you know, you got, and then sometimes, you know, it's funny. The one thing I can say is coffee's never the same. Mm. When you have tea... Tea is tea. It's always it's always the same. You yeah, know, exactly. it's, it's if it's this, if, if it's mint, if it's dark, oh, it's talk tea. To my neighbors over here about right. tea. <laughs> no, no, but it's always. But when you get a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. it's always different. It depends on who made it, what the water's in it. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's oily, whether it's kind of burnt, mm-hmm. whether it's smooth. Yeah. You know. So okay. So we have roasted spices, nutty cocoa, mm-hmm. sweet floral, fruity, sour fermented green, and then other. Other, I guess, is the bad stuff. <laughs> That's um. So there's kind of a side of the flavor wheel that represents stuff that you might want to, d- to have in your coffee. Yeah. And then some of this is actually representative of defects that you might have. So you'll see down here moldy, damp. Um, that's well, a product of mold, yeah. you know. Uh, woody, cardboard, stale. That might be if the coffee was green and unroasted for a long period of time and it's just kind of sat in the warehouse and was they weren't, weren't able to move it fast enough. Uh, there could also be like bug damage. Um, there could be metal, just screws or something in the bag that kind of affects the overall flavor of the coffee. Um, so yeah, that's what you're seeing kind of on this side of the flavor wheel. And then on this side, there's just different aspects. You already mentioned roasted. Um, that might represent darker coffee. Um, this also might represent some, some darker roasted, like a medium roast, if, if you want to call it that. That's obviously speaking very general. Right, right. But um, you might get like spices, spice f- flavors, um, clove, cinnamon, nutmeg. Um, in kind of a dark, like a, like a medium roasted coffee. Right. Um, these represent kind of the sweetness that you'd, you'd find in coffee. Um, you might also notice something like that in a dark roast or even a light roast. You might say like, oh, this has kind of a caramelized sweetness to it or a honey sweetness. Um, so yeah, these are just all like markers that you can use to identify what you're tasting. Now this is done, this is without any additives or anything. This is exactly. pure coffee. Yes. Coffee bean and hot water. Exactly. That's right. it. Roasted coffee and hot right. water. Right. Okay. That's it. That's all it, yeah, that's now, all it is. Now, because of this knowledge that you have, do you now taste coffee differently than you may have done before you've learned this oh, sort yeah. of schematic? Yes, absolutely. Okay. How is it how has it affected your perception of coffee? Um, well, it gives me something to think about when I'm tasting it. Um, you know, looking at something like this while I'm trying coffee, it gives me, like I mentioned before, something to think about. It gives me something to kind of direct, like, what am I tasting? It, it's more than just I'm drinking coffee as a commodity to wake up. It makes it a more pleasurable experience to kind of enjoy and digest mentally and physically what I'm what I'm drinking. Now, when, when they're doing the tasting, are they tasting it hot or are they tasting Tasting it cold, hot. I, okay. Well, it starts hot and then it changes over time as they're tasting it. So they'll be trying the coffee. Um, coffee cuppers will often start cupping, and um, it, it'll be too hot for them to drink it at first. They yeah. obviously don't want to burn their taste buds as they're going. Um, but then as they go, um, they're going to notice that the cup changes over time. You know, it'll start with a really rich body, but you might like if you try it a little bit later, you might notice a little bit more acidity, a little bit more of the sweetness, that sort of thing. Now, how do you, do you drink your coffee with milk? I do not personally. All right, do you no. take straight up? With, yes, just straight right, so black. You're, I love that. Okay. Yeah. All right. And no sugar, right? No sugar, no. Yeah, okay, no, so just you're a pure, Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, on this wheel, where, where do you like, what, what is the coffee that seems to be the one that you like the most? Um, my personal preference yeah. is black berry. I love coffee that has a berry flavor or a berry note, um, anything with blackberry in it. There's... Um, th- this is just my own personal. Right, right. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I personally love Kenyan coffees because a lot of Kenyan coffees, in my experience, have that kind of blackberry flavor, which which I love very much. Uh, it also has a lot of citrus flavor notes as well. Um, but yeah, th- those are just my personal favorites. Now, can you? Is there different parts of the world where this, like, if you were to take a map of the world, would sort of these flavors be more? 
country or region specific than being specific? I know that's generally thought to be true, but um, I have found personally that uh, this would not be, you wouldn't be able to say all blackberry coffee comes from Africa. Right. Um, I've had coffee that has blackberry notes from South America. I've had wonderful coffees that, you know, have any number of these flavor characteristics from every part of the world. So This is a fascinating chart. So tell me about your, your association. Yeah, so we're the Specialty Coffee Association. Um, Where are you located? Santa Ana, California? Our headquarters is in Santa Ana, but we are a global organization. So we do have a headquarters in the UK. Okay. Um, and we have chapters around the world. So we, we represent coffee communities globally. Um, we create events. This is a, a, a piece of research that we The Flavor Wheel is a piece of research that we did. But we do all kinds of research throughout the year. Um, we also have guilds that represent different um, sectors of the industry. Uh, we have the Coffee Technicians Guild, the Coffee Roasters Guild, uh, the, and the Barista Guild. Um, and we Very important to... people. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We, we have people falling asleep at the wheel otherwise. <laughs> so you do a public service. We, we are. Yeah. We like to think of it that way. We're helping people stay awake. Um, so yeah. And, and, and think of all the physicians and medical people around the world that need coffee at 3 in the morning when they get ready for surgeries and other really important things, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, we, we really are just trying to make coffee better overall. We're, we're trying to make sure that um, the people in the industry have all the tools that they need. Uh, we try to help them with education and research. Um, we are doing uh, a big show in Boston as well. We're doing the Coffee Expo. that's coming up in April from, from the 11th to the 14th. Um, it's an industry-facing show. It's a, it's a really cool show. It's going to be... Um, we're going to have about 520 exhibitors. Wow. And then uh, last year we had th- over 13,000 attendees. So wow. it's definitely a really great event for all industry professionals to attend. There's an expo floor. There is going to be lectures. There's going to be um, cupping labs, things like that. So I d- highly recommend all coffee professionals to attend. I remember going to the National Automated Merchandise Association show in Atlanta long, long time ago. One of the earlier shows that I covered. And I remember there was a class called Coffee 101. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, it's like, this is like coffee like 5001 because it's changed so much. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it used to be just sort of drip coffee and those things that just stood on the, like the warmers, if you will. Yeah. And now, I mean, just looking at the machines and the aisles and where the beans come from, what you add to it and the flavors and mm-hmm. lactate milk and almond milk, it's, it really has become very different. Do you see, what kind of direction do you see coffee going from here, from here? I mean, that's hard to say. Um, it, sky's the limit with quality. Sky's the limit with the kinds of machines that we're making. Um, you know, there's always new technology that's being created. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's really wonderful to see the innovation that's coming from um, all parts of the industry. And it's cool seeing the global coffee community coming together more and more as we strive to make coffee better. Now, I, I'm a big fan of Kona coffee. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that the only U.S. coffee that's made in the United States is the Hawaiian Kona coffee? Uh, believe it or not, no. There's a, a group of coffee growers in California, actually. Is there really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Up in Santa Barbara area, there's. Um, it started with one. Uh, there, I, I don't know all the details about it, but I know they found a coffee varietal that grows pretty well in that area. So it's it's actually really cool to see. Um, I, I know that you can go there, you can taste their coffee. It's available for purchase. You can buy the trees if you want. So. Oh wow! What what climates are ideal? Is it more like a temperate, tropical type climate, drier climate? Year-round, uh, dry, you know, hot climate. What's what's the idea? Can we grow coffee in New York on the rooftops? It won't, won't work. It, I don't think that would work too well. <laughs> maybe a greenhouse. Maybe, yeah, maybe, just maybe. Hot house. Hot house, something like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the coffee's growing. You, you see it in the thirty to thirty. There's like the coffee belt, what they yeah, describe yeah. as that region of where of, of coffee growers in Africa, South America, Indonesia, China. Um, a lot of specialty coffee is grown at elevation. I know that there's very specific reasons why, but I don't know. All, I, could, I couldn't regurgitate that info yeah, off the top of my head right now. But there's plenty of people here that know all of that info, so I'd recommend now, chatting with them. Is, is is, is, is isn't there that coffee that like a bug ingests and then... Remember, isn't that something I heard where... You, like suppose it's like the most expensive coffee in the world or whatever. Oh, I think you're talking about Kopi Luwak. Is that talk, talk about yeah, that? Yeah, that's um that's the coffee that's um civets. <laughs> yeah, civets, which are they look like a mix between a cat and a raccoon, kind of. Um, yeah, they're they're fed that coffee and then they they digest they it. Process they process it. They process it. Yeah, quote unquote process. Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting coffee. Um, I don't know. Have you ever had it? I have had it one time and it was all right. Did, did you know that you had it before you had it? 
I did. Yeah, okay. I didn't know I was what I was getting in for. Yeah, getting stuff into. You know, because there's like jokes about you know oats. You know, you're at the farm, you see a horse, and like, well, you could buy new oats, or you can buy cheaper processed oats from the horse. And most people really opt for the new oats. I, I would say so. Yes. Yeah. So what did it taste like? That coffee it was just it. It tasted like diner coffee to me. Okay. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't didn't taste that exceptional it, you know it, yeah I don't know is it more, is, do you think that's just more of a hype thing it's hard, marketing it's thing? hard to say there's definitely a market of people that do want to purchase that um, you know I, I think I think people worry that there is are they hurting the animals that they're feeding so I think there's concern one way or the other is that um, part of their diet I guess they they don't they probably don't sleep a lot. <laughs> they may not. Yeah, too much caffeine. I think uh, coffee farmers noticed a long time ago that some of the droppings that were lying around the farm had some coffee in it, and that's. I mean, it's just they're just eating whatever's around, you know. So, but it's it's when you start caging them and when you start force feeding them that's when it, I think it starts to become a larger issue. But it's hard to nail down that easily, you know. You've been a wealth of knowledge. Is there anything that I didn't cover? That would be appropriate to talk about on the radio. That we it's certainly a plug for what's the website? Uh, SCA.coffee. Okay. Go there. There's a lot of information on there. Um, we'd love for you to check us out. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to contact our membership team. You can contact us at membership at SCA.coffee. There's we have a lot of a lot of amazing resources that we would love to share with you. Now, if I wanted to meet Juan Valdez or Alex Ahente, could you put that together? <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me after the report. All right, there you go. All right. All right, again, Chris Buck, SCA Member Services at Booth 2416 at the Javits Center. Thank you for a lively interview. All right, Yasu, everybody, but we're from Montreal. All right, so we're from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and this is the Quebec booth, and you're at Booth 1026. Now, I have to admit... You guys are like the superstars of the show. I can't really... Thank you. I don't want to like pick favorites here, but you've had the longest lines and I, I guess the most enthusiasm because you have the smoked meat. And yeah. I'm telling you, I've been to Montreal. I love smoked meat. Amazing, amazing. Right. And so tell me about your smoked meat. I, I can see that almost everybody from... The show is here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying well, to test out your. Tell me about. Tell me about what you're doing. Okay. Well, what we're doing is we went back to basics. We're doing a whole seven-day process of brine, where the meat is dry curing, and then after that, it's cooked for 12 hours slowly and smoked and made to perfection. At least that's what we put our uh, our love into doing. Okay. You know, it's uh, it's got 22 grams of protein. We're a family business. I got my brother here, my uncle, my cousin, and my godfather, and we're all working together. That's uh, that's the real deal. Hi. Now, do you do uh, do you do anything other than smoke meat? Uh, we also do a carnazzle sausage, okay. and we do salami as well. And it's all from beef trimmings. Like you can see in the video, they're taking off the ends from the brisket to make a nice squared piece. Yeah. And and all the uh, the fat we trim off and sell, but. The rest of the meat itself, we we store and we use that to make salami and carnazzo. Right, now, Jewish delicacy. So, what when you eat smoked meat? How, how do you like it? How do you oh like? My what's God. your favorite? Is it rye? Is it with mustard? Is it straight up? Uh, myself, I love it with rye bread. And what I do, we're not doing it at the show, but normally I take the bread, I pop it in the steamer a little bit just to get it moist. Uh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and, and then I put it on top, and in between the slices, I put a piece of sweet. Cheese. Oh, like a Reuben. Yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Now, I assume that the kind of bread you use has a fairly substantial impact on the overall taste. For sure. For so, sure. What, kind of, what kind of bread do you like to use? I'm using a rye bread. That like a soft rye. Has, oh, yeah. It's definitely soft. And believe it or not, we brought it from Montreal. Really? Yeah. Uh, because I didn't have the time to research which kind of rye bread I could find here locally that that would give it the same impact. It's for us. It's a tradition in Montreal, and this is the the same rye bread that they use at all the main delis in Montreal. Right. Because yeah. I do notice that it's a thicker sliced rye. Yeah, it is. You know, so it adds a little bit of a sponginess. Oh, it is. It's know? it's really good. It's really good. Actually, you know what? We ran out of rye bread. Yeah. Because we sold so many sandwiches. Well, sold. We're giving them. A Way. We sold so many of them that we went to um, one of our suppliers here. Uh, suppliers, I mean, um, 
like one of the show people? No, one of our customers. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Got, yeah. Exactly, and they're called North Shore Farms. Oh, yeah, I know North Shore Farms. Yeah, yeah. They have our product. They're in Queens, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I went there and I picked up their rye bread that they make in-house. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Wow. It's really good. Okay, so I'm looking at the... the, the is there a certain way to cut it and to prepare it that makes it... More, more perfect. I see he's kind of cutting it at an angle. Yeah, exactly. So like a 45 degree angle? Exactly. What he did, yeah. he's cutting it at that angle to get the most out of every single piece because if you cut straight from the top down, you're going to have little slices whereas when you go more at an angle, you get uh, longer slices especially when you're at a small part in the brisket. Got it. And he's also cutting against the grain so that the slices fall apart in your mouth. Exactly. Yeah. Alright, so now, without giving any, what, what do you coat it with you know just roughly just a lot of different spices oh it's a family secret right. <laughs> okay okay and I'm not, I, just, I just want like a rough idea okay, yeah. obviously it's more than salt and pepper oh definitely look I, I have three different products yeah and the one we're sampling at the show is our premium now the three of them are identical they're not there's not one more premium than another it's just a name and the reason why we call it the premium is because it's warm and sweetie it's peppery and it has overtones uh, with a pinch of a Jamaican allspice. Right. Our other one, the Smoky Red, it's sweet and flavorful with a kick of uh, Spanish paprika. It's really, really good. And our traditional spice is heavily spiced. It has a little bit of our Montreal steak spice that we make ourselves. And it has uh, earthy flavors and it's slightly floral with woody overtones of coriander and savory spices. Okay, now do you sit around, you know, yeah. in the kitchen and with racks and racks of things and spices and try different formulas? Oh, 100%. That's actually my father's job. He's the spice meister? Oh, yeah. He's definitely the spice meister. He goes in there and he plays around and actually he thinks of what it would go with. And based on the restaurant that he'd walk into, that he'd be like, you know what, this guy, he would prefer it a little bit to have this kind of spice and that kind of spice and then he'd make a recipe just for them. Like, we walked into an Indian restaurant that they wanted a special smoked meat, and my father came up with, like, some kind of a curried recipe that just blew the guy away, and and that's in Montreal. Now, as far as mustards go, what kind of mustard do you like to put on the meat? Uh, Brown mustard, a a, a yellow mustard, um, uh, you know, like, more of the vinegary one, What, what do you like? My personal yeah. favorite is uh, French's, and I'm not sponsoring them by any way. The yellow. Yeah, it's, right, it's yellow. yellow. Just I find it to be one of the best flavors. But you know what? You could use Dijon, which has a little bit more of a kick. But I really like this one. It doesn't ruin the taste, the original taste that we uh, we intended in every bite. Because yeah, I, I tend to eat it without mustard because oh, I, nice. I want the flavor, yeah. to, you know, to come out. You Amazing. know, you know. I right, cool. Yeah. Um, anything that, do you have a website or, or how, do people, how do people find you yeah. if they're not online here uh, <laughs> yeah sure uh, our website is uh, smokemeatusa.com now that's a great name yeah <laughs> let me grab a card and put that in awesome All right, and then I'm going to get a picture of you alright beautiful All right, hang on Yeah, that would be Tom he's our he's our main salesman he's the VP for uh, the United States and this is my card alright perfect that's Nicholas Sugunas yeah alright kala kala alright perfect <laughs> This is Russell Hitman Alexander from the Hitman Blues Band, and you are listening to Richard Solomon on WCWP 88.1 FM. Okay, so here I am just roaming the aisles. I'm kind of full. <laughs> I've eaten everything from pizza to coffee. And I see a guy dressed up as an orange fox with little little ears and a, and a big bushy tail. <laughs> You gotta get foxy. You gotta get foxy. No, no. What's your name? Because you're laughing hysterically. Well, I'm laughing because you know I, I admire any man who wears a fox tail. Exactly. So you're Desiree Park. I'm Desiree Park. And you're the CEO. Yes. And, and is this your fox? Let loose. Let loose. Okay. Now, now, not to be confused with Car Fox. <laughs> it's a, all right. So, so I, I detect from your accent you may not be from New York. Is that true? Not from New York. I'm from London, England. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So, what brings you and the fox to New York? <laughs> <laughs> I follow the fox everywhere. No, we are here to exhibit our range of all-natural uh, ketchups and mayos at the International Food Service Show. All right. So, what does 
the fox have to do with ketchup? <laughs> We're foragers, foragers. So that's that's the original idea. So we uh, forage for the, the best ingredients, and uh, there's a long, nice story behind where we come from. Oh, I want the long, nice story. This is radio. That's We have time oh, for this. There's, there's, no, there's no story with anyone. So there's one of the founders. So. All right, so tell me, tell me what... You searched far and wide. Now, do you have a foxtail too in the car? You keep one in the trunk. <laughs> you know, the foxtail is so precious. We only have one foxtail. <laughs> so, when you forage, you like to wear a safari hat? Do you have a net? What do you got? I mean, obviously, there are nets involved. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, right. the foraging fox is actually named after uh, my business partner's father. Okay. So he was the original forager. Um, fox is the family name. Okay. You know, the ketchup started as a kitchen project with um, with children trying to find something, make it better, um, and it started with our range of all natural beetroot ketchups. Okay, so what's what what is your product taste like in comparison to say some of the more commercially known ketchups? Oh my gosh, it's just so much more unctuous. It's tasty, it's vibrant, it's natural, it's made from whole foods and I think anyone who tastes it doesn't really look back. Okay, so you're telling me that high fructose corn syrup is not a natural food? <laughs> yeah, do you know, that? I, I know, news alert. <laughs> okay, because I don't know, see I always thought that polysorbate 80 was like a tree. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like to think that I left my chemistry degree far behind and when I read a label, I like to see ingredients that I actually understand. <laughs> okay. So, alright, so you are showcasing uh, a smoked beetroot root ketchup and the original and the hot. Now, I see there's also some mayonnaise. So, let's try some of this. What, what, now, I'm sure this is like wine where you go from the lights to the darks, right? Is that right? Yeah. But, you know, yeah. people start any which way. You no, can, no, but I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a sophisticado here. Ah, well, so, I need to, I, you know, so, I need to know what's the right way to do the it. The right way to do it is, you, as you say, to start, start with the lights. So I would start with the avocado and lemon mayo. Where's that? Over here. Okay. Yeah. So, I'll take a little dip. Am I allowed to yeah, dip? Yeah, All right. So, this is avocado and lemon mayonnaise. Yes. Oh. Very, very, very light. Yeah. Tangy. Oh, it's good. All natural avocado. Yeah. And lemon. Let's see. It has um, avocado, eggs, vinegar, Dijon mustard. Yeah, very simple, all natural ingredients. Okay. okay. Now, you want to jump to the coconut chili and lime. Okay. So I'm or skipping. You're going to save the smoked garlic for last. Yeah. Okay, because that's the grand finale? Yeah. All right, cool. It's too good. All right. I hope nobody's double dipped before me. Okay. Mm. Uh, we oh. Now that doesn't really taste like mayonnaise. It's different, right? right? It's chunky, it's textured, you get the coconut, it's great with fish. Great it's, with prawns. I guess it almost tastes like a tartar sauce. Yeah, almost, is, almost. Yeah. Do you know, well that's interesting you say that, because I think this is the one that pairs really well with fish. Yes, yeah. I can see that. Okay. So now now we're going to garlic, we're going to ketchup. The grand finale with this. Oh, All right, so now we're going to go to smoked ketchup, or no, the, the regular, the original. All right. Now I noticed that this ketchup is all purpley, yeah. and as opposed to that paint red color. <laughs> it's all purpley because the main ingredient are beets. Aha! So let's try that. So, by the way, for all those out there, this is a great job. Hold on. Oh, that's interesting. Um, okay. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like an A1 sauce or like um, the Heinz 57, you know, no, no, it reminds me, I didn't say it tastes just like it, but it's got a boldness like that, because remember, I'm trying to relate to all the people who, never, who are not tasting it like I am, so, so don't be a bald, you know. All right, so now I'm going to try the smoked. So, now what do you use for the smoke flavor? We oak smoke the beetroot. Oh, oak smoke. We oak smoke the beetroot. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good joke, no? Yeah. Oh, nice flavor. Very nice flavor. Yeah. And not too smoky. Not too no. smoky. The, you know, all of our ingredients, the recipes are very subtle. And, you know, the ketchups, you can use them like traditional ketchups. You can also use them like an ingredient. So actually, the versatility is what's key to this. Because they're so tasty, but you can use them in different ways. Now, looking at the label... Um, yeast and gluten-free, no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, no dairy, no high fructose corn syrup. So, yes, that's always a good start. All right, and now we're going to go with the hot. So let's try the hot. So I'm just, I'm loving myself here at the, you know. <laughs> not that hot. Not that hot. No, no, that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's you know? a mild tang. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we combine chili and horseradish. For us, it wasn't about, you know, smoke coming out of our ears. It was about just that really nice all-over-mouth heat. 
This is really good stuff. All right. So if people want to find this, where do they go? Well, we're going to be, uh, we're on Amazon. We're also going to be launching it with uh, Walmart as part of their premium modular, which is going to be out in May. May of 19, folks. Okay. May 2019. Um, and we're extending our distribution. We're across various independents. We're in some Whole Foods. So, yeah. All right. Now, are you, are you going to be going to all the store openings with the Fox outfit? Oh, yeah. The Fox, <laughs> the fox goes everywhere. Everywhere. Now, does the Fox need, like, a companion radio host or sidekick? Always. Always. <laughs> I'm always, like, always looking for work. <laughs> I work for okay, food. Man. I work for food. Start growing, start growing a tail and some ears, and you're, you're right on with it. I got, well, I got stuff in the knapsack. <laughs> oh, there we go. Easy. <laughs> you know. Now, um... Now, if I was like a raccoon or something, that wouldn't work? It's only kind of... It's got to be a fox. It's got to be a fox. All right, I was going to say. Like, what are fox's best friends in the wild? I don't know. I don't know. We got, we got, we got, they're curious. Uh, they, they... I don't know. The, the, well, the one thing I know is I can't be a gingerbread man, because you know how that worked out. <laughs> that, 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 the gingerbread man. I would right, say right, definitely not right. a gingerbread so, man. So I actually take... I should take, I should take a film with you and go, hey, hey, you can't catch me, can't catch me, the gingerbread man, because that would have a very unhappy ending. <laughs> so, so, in fact, that you should have little gingerbread cookies for dipping, because that would be hilarious. <laughs> so for all those that don't know the story, you got to go look up the gingerbread man, because it's actually very, very funny. And I can't believe the gingerbread man fell for the story that the fox sold me. He's, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you when we get when we get there. Yeah. I'm like, you know, we're... Just move up my neck. Yeah, yeah. Just move up my neck, slowly to the top of my head. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, website. Website? You have a website? www.foragingfox.com. All right. And for people who are in the car, it's F-O-R-A-G-I-N-G fox.com. And uh, they're a lot of fun. And your name is? Cam. Cam. Cam McLaughlin. Mr. Fox. Mr. Fox. All right. You guys have been most delightful. You have very yummy food. And I appreciate your time. I want to take a picture of you guys in front of your little orange sign. All right. I'm with David Epstein. All right, let's talk about let's talk about water. We all need it. We can't live without it. And yet, not everywhere it goes does it taste good or is it good for you. It's absolutely delicious, and it's a very great way of starting our conversation. We actually are more than 70% water, so it is extremely important that the water you're drinking is not just wet, but it's healthy and delicious. So talk about your water. All right, so I just got pointed to Stephanie. So you're Stephanie Phelps. I am. Now, you're not related to Mr. Phelps, you know, with the tape. No. <laughs> this, this tape won't, won't self-destruct. <laughs> okay, so tell, so tell me about the, the water. Pure Resident itself has been able to perfect the process that takes ordinary tap water and turn it into pure premium water. So we have a solution that's good for everybody, not just we, we, today. We were eye-opening with the experience that we had. We were thinking that it was sort of luxury, but it's everybody. So everything from cafes to pizza shops to restaurants to hotels have the ability to take ordinary tap water and produce pure premium water in a deliverable solution that's eco-friendly. So everything that we do has eco-awareness and eco-friendliness to it. And you end up at the end of the day with pure, still, and premium sparkling water. See, what's interesting is there's, I won't name anybody, but there's a restaurant in Long Island that, I love the food, I love the food, but you want to gag when you drink the water, and I'm amazed that the owners haven't figured out that their tap water is so, it's beyond untasteful. I mean, it just, it tastes horrendous, and I love their food, but I won't go there, and it's a shame, because I don't think they realize that, you know, look, you won't drink the water, you won't drink the water in coffee or tea, and you know, you're not necessarily going to want to eat the lettuce or the things that they wash the food with, so they're really losing a lot of business, just because the water it tastes horrendous and you figure the water tastes horrendous it's either not healthy or there's something wrong you know right so conceptually the the program that we actually put in place allows you to be able to take that ordinary tap water but to go back to your point of that restaurant most there are two things that are given away in a restaurant bread is one water is the second and so when they do that they're actually thinking oh, it's just something that I give to you and and everybody should recognize it's the experience of water that can make or break the experience Experience of a restaurant. The same thing with bread. So with that philosophy, people are getting it now, but they didn't actually get it before. They're like, well, I'm just giving this to you. But they're actually giving their experience to you, and we're trying to change what that experience is. With the delivery system that we have, with the beautiful bottles that we have, we provide an experience that is so far above what's in the industry today. 
They, they've actually proven that sparkling water is one of the biggest, newest categories in the hospitality business because of the fact that people are no longer drinking soda the way they used to. And they also have a whole other revenue source, which is craft cocktails, where they take our sparkling water and they'll put fruit in the drink. And all of a sudden, you have the opportunity, a whole other revenue source, to charge for a glass of sparkling water as a cocktail. Plenty of people don't drink alcohol. Plenty of people are healthy and plenty of people are watching their weight. This is a solution for in so many different ways. It's extremely lucrative for the restaurant and it's a very classy thing to offer your patrons. Can you put this system in your home? Yes, I mean, is it, it's more designed, is it more, I mean, it's more designed for the the retail bar business and it food business? It's, it's, it's more of a commercial application. Um, the way that we actually go to market is on a commercial aspect, but there are always solutions that we can accommodate for particular scenarios. It's not our mainstream, but there's opportunity. And one more thing that I really want you to understand, we're now putting putting these systems in offices as well. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Which is a great thing. Think about all the offices in Manhattan that have all these cases of Pellegrino and Pana and Voss and all these other things. What if you had a solution and no longer ever have to go and have bottles delivered and you could have a system within in your conference rooms with all your employees? It's very tasteful, it's delicious, and it makes both dollars and cents. Now, I assume with congestion pricing, it's even more compelling because now that the water gets delivered, it's going to be even more expensive. It's, it's extremely inexpensive. <laughs> so how does, how does you, I mean, what is the basic concept, you know, the basic, basic concept behind the system? Is it a filtration system? Is it reverse osmosis? The basic concept behind the system is this is a solution to, this is, this is an alternative to sparkling and still water that's being imported from other countries. For instance, Pellegrino is produced almost two years ago in Italy. They put salt in the water to preserve it. It's then shipped a thousand miles on the ocean, comes here, goes from truck to truck to truck, eventually goes and ends up on your table in your house or in a restaurant. You open it once, you pour it twice, and it goes in the garbage. That just shouldn't be. It just doesn't sound right. We have the solution for that. But I'm talking mechanically, how does it purify the water? Is it a filter system? Is it an osmosis system? Is it, it depends oh. on the water. So the filtration that's actually put in place is customized to the water. The wa- oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, so we actually have to accommodate certain scenarios based upon the actual incoming water. So if our if RO is needed, then RO is used. If a higher micron um, calculation is needed, then that's used. It all depends. So, But everything that we do accommodates the actual incoming water solution. We literally customize the system for you based on where you live and whether it's Florida or New York. It's all different types of water. But the bottom line is is that we will make sure that you get the right filtration system for wherever it is that you live or serve the water. What, what are the more common contaminants in the water right here in New York? Is it, is it chemicals? Is it just the fact that it goes to a lot of pipes? Yeah, the, the most common contaminant right now is sediment. So when the city starts coming to life after winter, you actually have the re-stirring up of what's happening, so sediment starts hitting the water. So we actually have to adjust the micron filter so that it has a smaller filtration size that allows you to reduce the sediments that are actually showing up in your water. New York City water in itself is actually fantastic, but when all of that activity occurs, you actually have to accommodate for that and increase the micron filtration that's occurring to reduce that sediment. I assume that one of the bigger problems is all the pipes that are out there that are really, really old. So, you know, what Stephanie just said is so accurate because New York City water, New York water is great. But who's getting it from the reservoir? You're not going and scooping out, you know, a pitcher of water. So by the time it goes from the reservoir through the pipes to your home, the reality is is that if you live in a new building, great, you've got new pipes. But think about all the pipes that it has to go through. It's almost like highways. And all the, the, the traveling that happens, by the time it comes out of your faucet, it's not that amazing New York City healthy water that you think you're getting and, and that's where we come in and we're, we're happy to help you. And I assume that the older the building the, I, was, I assume that the older the building the worse it is because I assume that they used less less than desirable materials back all those years ago with like lead and welding and things like that. Yes, that, that is in fact the case but, but again it, it, we can't actually have that conversation. We actually have to experience that, that particular piece. So as we experience that, we accommodate for that. That's great. Oh, what? Okay. So had... No, just get away from the. So what? What is? So what's the website and how people get in touch with you? People can get in touch with us at www.pureza.com. Like, how do you spell that? P-U-R-E-Z-Z-A dot com. All right, great. All right, thank you so much. It's been very, very helpful. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time. All right, cheers.
Well, that, that wraps another show. That This was the International Restaurant and Food Service Show of New York with the coffee show at the Javits Center 2019. It was an incredible show. We learned a lot, and we hope to come back next year for another experience. Until next week, Richard Solomon signing off. Thanks for listening.